I'm sure that all of you would agree with me when I say there's just something extra special about a Christmas Eve service. And I say that in part because if your December is anything like mine, it is always the busiest month of the year. But when you get to the Christmas Eve service, there's always a sense that the busyness is behind us for the very first time in the entire month. And you can take a breath and soak in what I would say is the complexity and the simplicity of Christmas. The complexity is found in the truth that at Christmas, God became a man so he could offer redemption to men. The simplicity is that it all began, he began the entire process in the simplest way by coming into the world as a baby. That's what I've got written in my notes as my intro to the message. But I will tell you that I'm not feeling it tonight. I'm not feeling this, it's, we're at the Christmas service, we can take a breath, a lot of the stress is behind us because when I got to church tonight, or this afternoon rather, about 2.30, my entire office was of standing water about two inches. <laughs> it's a bad thing when you walk to church in the first there, walk into church, the first thing you say is, oh no. And that is the third time in the last 24 hours that we've had something like that happen in our church campus. In fact, last night about 10 o'clock, we had a water break in Bibleopolis, which is what we call our children's space. If you're not a part of our church family and you're new to us tonight, and it shut down the entire area. And then, uh, or I guess yesterday afternoon, then about 10 o'clock last night, we had a similar thing happen across the street at our community life center, not nearly as bad. And so I, I, I'm feeling a little bit stressed uh, as I get up here to share this message with you. But I don't know of anything that has the ability to calm my heart more than talking about the story of Jesus. And when we talk about the story of Jesus at Christmas, it's very, very special. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite you, if you're able tonight, to stand with me and I'm gonna read some scripture together with you, and then I'm gonna ask you to stay standing, and I'm gonna pray. Let me just read some very familiar words to you from the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter. You can see these words on the screen. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I give you, or I bring you rather, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, we are so grateful to be in your presence. And right now we just ask for that presence to just give our hearts a sense of peace, open our hearts, so that as we talk about the familiar story of Christmas, that your words would bless our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We always ask that God blesses the reading and the hearing of his word. Throughout the month of December, we've been involved in a message series here called Searching for Christmas. And while this message tonight on Christmas Eve will complete the series, I'm going to take a different approach from previous messages because we're going to focus on the truth that the very reason why we celebrate Christmas is because God is a God who has been searching for you and me almost from the beginning of time. And I want to tell you that the message that I have is going to be a little bit different from the messages I normally share, but I hope it will speak to your heart. Let me begin with the story. A few days before Christmas in 1792, in the city of Salzburg, Austria, a young unmarried seamstress named Anna gave birth to her third child, a baby boy. And there was a sadness surrounding his birth because the baby's father had abandoned Anna a few months before leaving her completely alone and completely destitute. In those days, unwed pregnancies came with cultural shame, unlike anything that we would be familiar with today. And in those days, unwed pregnancies, at least in the part of the world where they lived, also came with a fine, a financial fine, literally. And the fine would often be more than a year's wages for a common laborer, and so, as far as it goes for a woman like Anna, it was more money than she could possibly pay on her own. And another problem associated with having a child outside of wedlock in that part of the world was the church she was a part of would not allow the baby to be baptized, which means that his rights as a citizen of Austria would be severely restricted. In fact, this was such a difficult challenge for people in similar circumstances that oftentimes when babies were born outside of marriage, the children were literally abandoned and left to die. But Anna had no intention of doing that. Instead, she planned to raise her son on her own the very best that she could. There was another man in the city of Salzburg by the name of Joseph Wolmuth who was well-to-do but not well-liked in the city. He was well-to-do because of his profession. He was the local executioner. Literally, he was the town's hangman. The job paid well, but as you can imagine, it wasn't an admired position. But somehow Joseph heard about Anna's particular situation and maybe because he felt like he was an outcast himself, he decided that he would pay the fine for the boy so that he could be baptized. And not only that, but he even agreed to be the registered godfather of Anna's baby boy and allowed the boy to be given his name, Joseph. And though Joseph's baptism prevented him from being a complete outcast, he continued to carry the stigma of his birth outside of marriage and wasn't allowed to do certain things in the city that other children were allowed to do. He wasn't allowed to go to school. He wasn't allowed to learn a trade. He wasn't allowed to seek employment, even though he was just an innocent child who did absolutely nothing wrong on his own to deserve the treatment and the rejection that he got. He wasn't even allowed to participate in religious activities 
So he spent his long, lonely afternoons singing on the steps of the church. He may not have been welcome among the so-called decent people on the inside who were filling the pews, but he still felt some sense of connection and community just by being in the shadow of the church building. And so that's where he would go to sing. As it turns out, he had a beautiful singing voice. One day the local choir master heard him and was so impressed by his voice that he decided that he would step outside of protocol and invite Joseph to join the choir. The invitation also gave Joseph, for the first time in his life, the opportunity to receive an education. And Joseph proved himself not only to be a gifted vocalist, but he also became the master of many instruments and was an outstanding student as well. In fact, he was such an outstanding student that the vicar of the church encouraged him to pursue a career in ministry. But there remained that nagging problem of the circumstances of Joseph's birth, his so-called illegitimacy. Because he was born out of wedlock, he wouldn't normally be allowed to attend seminary. But the vicar went to bat for him and ultimately the church granted Joseph a special exemption for him to attend seminary, and in 1815, at the age of 22, Joseph Moore was his last name, M-O-H-R. Joseph Moore graduated from seminary and was ordained as a priest. The following year, he wrote a song for which he is well known. While it was originally written in German, ultimately the words were translated into English and we're gonna sing it together at the close of our service. According to Time Magazine and other resources, it is the most popular Christmas song ever written. It begins like this, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Now here in the United States of America, most of us have probably been singing that song from the time we were children. We're very familiar with the song and we're very familiar with the first three verses. We'll sing those verses at the close of our service. But Joseph actually wrote three more verses, three other verses that aren't included in most versions of the song, which is a shame because if you look at those three verses, those verses literally tell us the story of a God who searches for people just like you and just like me. So what I'm going to do is I'm just gonna share those verses with you and I'm gonna draw one specific truth from each of those verses. Here's the first missing verse, missing at least to you and me. Silent night, holy night, here at last, healing light. From the heavenly kingdom sent, abundant grace for our intent. Jesus, salvation for all. Jesus, salvation for all. Now, what would be the message? What would be the singular message that we would draw from that verse? How about this? God loves those who feel most rejected. One of the things that absolutely breaks my heart tonight is the fact that there are so many people in the world today who wrongly assume that Christianity is only for good people. 
or that having a personal relationship with Jesus has something to do with our own personal goodness or our own personal worthiness, like it's something that we earn. This happens when we use our faith or maybe I should say this happens when we use our profession of faith to separate us from other people by acting like our profession of faith somehow makes us better than them, which is silly and pointless because at the end of the day, we're all just a bunch of sinners. We're either sinners that have been saved by the grace of God or we're just sinners. That's the one thing every one of us has in common. And here's the result of that foolishness. I've known people, and I would imagine that if you thought about it, you could say that you've known people or you know people as well. I've known people who have absolutely no interest in stepping inside the doors of a church like this for a Christmas Eve service or any kind of service. But it's not because they don't like the music. It's not because somebody like me is going to get up and talk for a while. It's not even because they have something better to do. It's because church is a place where they don't really feel welcomed or wanted. They know who they are. They know they have a, a broken life. They know they have a broken past. They know that they're living in a way right now that probably doesn't honor God. So they don't think they fit in because they don't think there's a place for them in church with all the rest of the good people. Now, I know that there are people who reject the gospel message of Christ because their hearts are hard. They're just completely different. But I also know there are a lot of people who have never, never heard the message of Christ or accept the message of Christ because they've never heard somebody tell them the truth about just how much God loves them. How much he loves people who feel oftentimes rejected by the rest of the world. Think about the story I just shared with you about this man, Joseph Moore, this man who wrote Silent Night. He was born into a world that viewed him as an outcast from the very beginning at no fault of his own. And his first experience with any kind of religious environment offered him no love and no compassion and no grace and no hope. That was the reality of his life. But all of that is the exact opposite of the Christmas story of how God demonstrated his love for all of us by sending his son Jesus into the world to save us from our sin. And here's the thing about God's love. No one is excluded. No one, no matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. No matter how much you may have been rejected and marginalized by the rest of the world, no one is excluded from the love of God. Look at these words on the screen from Psalm 34 and verse 18. In fact, I want you to read these words with me. Let me hear your voices tonight. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I wonder if Joseph Moore ever ran across those words and found encouragement from them. And so here's what I would tell you tonight. If your heart is broken and your spirit's been crushed by the cruelty of the world, then you need to know that there is a God who loves you and that Jesus came into the world to give you the opportunity for a new and a better life. Here's the second missing verse. Silent night, holy night. 
sleeps the world in peace tonight. God sends his son to earth below, a child from whom all blessings flow. Jesus embraces mankind. Jesus embraces mankind. What do you think the singular message from that verse is? How about this? Jesus embraces the unembraceable. God didn't send his son into the world to say, congratulations, job well done. He sent his son into the world because we're lost the Old Testament book of Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The New Testament book of Romans has a parallel passage to that. It's Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's the understanding of those verses that lead to the opportunity to be made right with God. One of the things that the Bible makes so clear is that none of us, no matter how good we might be on our own, can save ourselves. No amount of goodness, no amount of good works in our lives is able to overcome the reality of our sin that separates us from God. But the Bible makes it clear that God not only understands that truth about our lives, he provides the answer for that truth about our lives. And that's why he sent Jesus into the world. Look at these two verses from the book of Romans. I'll put them on the screen. I'm going to use, I'm going to veer from my New International Version Bible that I normally use and use the easy to read version for each of these verses. First of all, Romans 5, 6 says, Christ died for us when we were unable to help ourselves. We were living against God, but at just the right time, Christ died for us. And then Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, but Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by this, God shows how much he loves us. That's exactly what Joseph Moore was talking about when he writes uh, in his song, Silent Night, Jesus embraces mankind. Jesus loves you and me enough to die on the cross for us and to forgive us of our sin, every sin that we've ever committed and every sin that we ever will commit. His death provides the opportunity for us to be given a brand new life and a brand new identity. I love these words from Paul. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when he says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new, everyone say new, new creation. The old things are gone, and suddenly everything is new, new again. That word new in the original language of the New Testament is the Greek word kainos, multiple different words in the Greek language for new, but this is a very specific word. It's the Greek word kainos, and what makes it special is the word kainos does not mean new in the sense of time. It means new in the sense of nature. Think of it like this. It means new in the sense of something that takes place of what was in the past. Now, let me just ask you an honest question tonight. Is there anyone here who can't look at some moment in their life and wish that there was a way for that to be made new? Not that you could ever go back in time and be, live that moment over again, but that it could still be made new in the sense of something that was different. Jesus does that. Here's the third missing verse, silent night, holy night, mindful of mankind's plight, the Lord in heaven on high decreed from earthly woes we would be freed. Jesus, God's promise for peace. Jesus, God's promise for peace. What's the singular message in that verse? How about this? God understands you more than you understand yourself. Silent night, holy night. Listen to this. Mindful of mankind's plight. You know what? It's easy to go through life sometimes and especially going through the difficult moments and the difficult seasons of life and think that God just doesn't understand what it's like to be you. 
He just doesn't understand what it's like to face the trials of life or to walk through difficult seasons of life. It's easy for us to do that. The disciples, the men who were closest to Jesus when he was in the world, they had a similar situation. You probably remember the story. It's recorded in Mark chapter four. They were on, in a boat on the Sea of Galilee when all of a sudden the Bible says that a furious storm broke out and the wind began to toss the boat back and forth as waves crashed over the side of the boat. Now, some of you who are here tonight, you were, have been with me to the Holy Land. I've been there three times with three groups of people. The first two times we went on a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, it was as calm as you can imagine. But when we went in 2019... And I'd always read in the Bible and I always read about how these furious storms could come out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. We experienced that on the Sea of Galilee. Some of you were with me. And you know that boat was literally just rocking back and forth. And they had these plastic like chairs that you would put on your patio uh, on the boat. And some of you were sitting in those chairs and they were just sliding back and forth. And there were screams and squeals and people hanging their head over the side of the boat. (laughs) I might have exaggerated the last part. That's what the disciples experienced, but probably on a much larger level. Now, if you're familiar with the story, what was Jesus doing? He was asleep, right? Mark said he was in the boat asleep on a cushion. And so they woke him up, and this is what they said to him. This is Mark 4.38. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You know what he was, they were saying? They were saying, don't you even know what's going on? I don't think you even realize what's happening right now. Some of us think that God just doesn't know what it's like to be us. But Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And the disciples looked at each other and said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, there are moments when those kinds of storms come into our lives. You might find yourself in the midst of that kind of storm right now. But I want you to remember the words that Joseph Moore wrote in that one missing verse from Silent Night. He wrote that God was mindful of mankind's plight. In other words, there's nothing happening in your life right now that God doesn't know about, that he's not aware of. And there's nothing that's going on in your life right now that God doesn't have the power to overcome and that God doesn't have the power to use in some positive way for his glory and for your good. He can say quiet, be still to anything that's happening in your life. I think Joseph Moore wrote those words because they were his own personal testimony. God sent Jesus into the world to bring us peace. That's why the angels announced his birth the way that they did in Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So here's a question for everyone. I mean, I look across this room and I know so many of you, but I I don't recognize so many of your faces at the same time. Here's a question for all of us. Does God's favor rest on you tonight? On this Christmas Eve, 2022? There's no doubt in my mind that God loves you. There's no doubt in my mind that God sent his son Jesus into the world to provide the opportunity for you to experience a brand new life. But in order for that to happen, you've got to surrender your heart to him to Jesus. And if you surrender your heart to Jesus, God's favor rests on you. But if that's something you've never done, you can't say, yes, God's favor rests on me tonight. Because there's only one way for that to happen. And if you can't say that God's favor rests on you tonight, then you're not in a position to experience the reality of his peace. 
I ran across, across another Christmas song a couple of weeks ago that I had never heard before. Maybe you are familiar with it. It's from a pretty popular singer, but it was called, I Need a Silent Night. And here are the words of the chorus. I need a silent night, a holy night, to hear an angel's voice through the chaos and the noise. I need a midnight clear, a little peace right here to end this crazy day with a silent night. Anybody feel like they need a silent night tonight? So that you can hear the voice of God speaking directly to your heart saying, I love you. No matter how many times or how many ways you've been rejected by others, you will never be rejected by me because I want nothing more than to embrace every part of who you are because I know exactly who you are and I know exactly what you need. I want you to pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for a little bit of time to talk about Jesus. We love you. And if there's anybody here right now or listening to me online who needs that silent night to connect with Jesus, to connect with you, I pray that you would lead them to reach out to us for some answers and for some help. We love you and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.